Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back. This is the Detroiter. We're covering sports in the Motor City, the Mitten States. And I'm your host, Nick Bradley. How do how do you guys feel? How do we feel about the tagline? I don't know. I, I kind of like it because I do something about thinking of a tagline. Oh, Motor City in the Mitten State. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I don't know, like my newspaper brain. Is that what I should call it? My writer's brain where it's like, oh, that's clever. Um, Like Jim Halpert, how he in the second life game, his guy, someone from like a writer from Philly. That's my second life. That part of my brain. I'm like covering sports in the Motor City in the Mid-State. Oh, and then the podcast starts and I say it and I'm like, ah, I don't know. It's you guys know why we're here, right? The name says it, doesn't it? And anybody that's here, here's where, here's where I miscalculated. When I was thinking of the tag name and I was like, oh, that'd be great if I said it at the beginning of every, every episode, you know, make it sound official. Um, I was counting on <laughs> random people stumbling upon this, right? Just random ass people being, what's the Detroiter? For some reason, I'll, I have no clue. I'm going to go listen to that podcast, but I got no clue what it's even about. Well, um, that doesn't seem to be the case. And I, you know, now that I'm here, hindsight is 2020, but I kind of feel like an idiot forever, even considering, oh, I should inform people just in case they somehow got here. They don't know what exactly it is that we do. Let me inform them right at the top of every episode so then I can spend the next two minutes explaining why I just informed them at the top of that episode. I say all that to say, maybe maybe you'll do away with it. Meh. Just kind of, you know, whatever you, whatever, you guys know why we're here. So it's a beautiful day. Beautiful evening, I should say. I'm recording this. It's dark outside. Beautiful evening. I hope there isn't any sound in the background. I put on this video of, I don't know why. I'm sitting on my couch. Usually I sit at the desk and do these. I'm sitting on the couch today, feeling just a little more. I wanted to see if it would channel a different energy like a little bit more laid back versus professional. We'll see if it works. You guys tell me, I suppose. But I threw on this screensaver on YouTube. It's this guy. I don't even know what it is. He looks like he's wearing an astronaut's outfit, but it's much tighter. And he's on a canoe going through a, going on a river that's going through a forest and all of the flowers in the foreground are like LED. It's a pretty nice image, but that's not the point. The point is they're playing a little woodwind underneath, maybe some like a church hymn, something like that. I put thinking visuals in the search bar. This is what I got. Wanted to see. I went all out. We're going to sit on the couch. Let's fucking pull up some thinking visuals, obviously on the television, why we're here. Get the creative juices flowing. See where this takes us. You've heard me for however many episodes in a row. I sit in my chair, the squeaky one. I sit at the desk. I stare down the hallway and we do this thing. Let's do one where I'm looking at a fucking astronaut meets night canoe through a neon forest. Let's see what happens then. So here we are. Hopefully you can't hear the noise though. I don't think you can. It's not very loud at all, but just, you know, if you can and it does last the entire episode, one, please let me know. We won't do this again. And two, that's my bad. That's my bad. I thought, honest to God, between you and me, I thought I had it at a volume where I could listen to it just kind of in the background and you guys wouldn't hear it. So hand up. That's on me. Man of integrity. I'm not going to point the finger. 
I'm not going to do that and say, well, this microphone should pick up the, my mouth right in front of it and not the television 20 feet away. I'm not going to say anything like that and point to that as a reason you may be hearing noises outside of my voice. I won't do that as the man of integrity I am. I'll say, hey, if you can hear the background noise, that's my bad, not the microphone's inability to kind of decipher ranges of volume. Anyways, pretty big episode today. Um, obviously the big news from the weekend, Michigan. Well, I mean, there's a couple Michigan beats Purdue. They win the big 10 again, back-to-back seasons, 21, 22, pretty incredible stuff for Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. As much as I can't stand Jim Harbaugh, as much disdain as I have for that football program, as pissed as I still am at Harbaugh for what he said and did and the way he acted after the Michigan state tunnel incident, just to find out Mozzie Smith and his whole situation, which I don't want to get into because it's a pain in the ass, but that is still pissing me off. And I can't help but do anything other than tipping my hat. To go, I, I said it a bunch last week, but I'll just say it again because it is that impressive. To go, what did they do last year? 12 and 2, right? Or 11. Yeah, 12 and two and win your conference and make the college football playoff. Obviously, that second loss being in the college football playoff and that being the most special year you've had in 17 and then to follow it up the next year and lose some key guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Hassan Haskins was gone, David Ajabo, and then to follow it with an even better season. You go flawless. They're sitting at 13 and 0 right now going back to the college football playoff after the offseason, whereas Jim Harbaugh, the Minnesota Vikings, want him. Is Harbaugh going to jump to the league? What's going on? Is J.J. McCarthy going to be able to handle the reins from Cade McNamara? What's that? How's that going to play out? All of these different storylines and things that maybe suggested, I don't know if it'll go as well or let alone better for the Wolverines this year. And to now they beat Michigan State. They beat Ohio State by more and on the road, and then they go and smash Purdue in the Cal- or in the Big Ten Championship. Granted, I will say Purdue played pretty well. Purdue kept it closer than I thought they would. That game for a little bit there, to me at least, felt like, oh, maybe, maybe. I was never convinced. I don't think it ever got to that point where it felt imminent that Purdue was going to pull some shit, crazy shit and, and win this game. But there were a couple times where it was like, may, I don't know, maybe these guys can do something. Like you, they had a chance. You kind of thought, all right, Purdue, they, they're moving the ball a little bit. Yeah, they're kicking field goals, but they're scoring points. Michigan hasn't scored a ton. That first half, and really, I, it's similar again, the Michigan team in the second half this year. Up until the fourth quarter, Purdue was right fucking there. Purdue was right there. Aiden O'Connell played a great game. That Charlie Jones dude, fucking machine. He's Amon Ross St. Brown in train tracks. And Michigan comes out in the second half, namely the fourth quarter, and does what they've done all year to everybody that they've played. They wear them out. They just out-physical them. They, They run the ball to a point, and that's the thing. It doesn't matter. All right, it sucks that Blake Corum couldn't play, and he's an unbelievable talent. It doesn't even matter. This is how good Michigan is. This is the style of their play and the way that they've been winning 
these last two years, it doesn't matter who get, who they got back there because by the fourth quarter, whether it's Corum or Edwards or um, what's the 41 Stokes, is that his name? 41 or Hicks? I can't remember. It doesn't matter who they got running the football. The big boys up front and the way that Sharon Moore calls offense. And you know what? The way they use JJ, whether it's in the run game, and he dialed it in a little bit in the past game, despite the interception, which wasn't great. It wasn't terrible, but it was eh, didn't make sense on a first down. They just physically impose their will on you. They could have Harbaugh's grandmother wheeling through the A-gap. They'll pick up for a play because their offensive line is going to grind you to fucking stuff. By by the fourth quarter, you don't want to be there. You think the Purdue's nose tackle was fired up to be playing in the Big Ten Championship with six minutes left to go in the fourth quarter? That guy was like, fucking kill me. That guy was waiting to tear his ACL and had to go get an oxygen mask. Like, it. that's how they beat you. They are going to just wear you down. They're going to hit you. They're going to lean on you. They knock you down. They're going to lay on you. They're going to be nasty. They're going to play through the whistle. If they get the chance, they're going to put you in the fucking dirt. And guess what, dude? Sure, they don't have quorum, but the guy behind them is as quick as lightning and as strong as a bull anyway. And then they'll pull it out. J.J. McCarthy will use his athleticism. J.J. McCarthy will use his arm. They'll tap into the athletic advantage they have over teams like Purdue at the wide wide receiver position, and there's nothing left. And then on defense, they get after the quarterback. Their secondary is great. Will Johnson is a fucking dog as a freshman. I It sucks. It sucks that he went to Michigan. I, I'm pretty bummed about that. I wish he played for Michigan State. Um the guy's, the guy's nasty. DJ Turner across from him is pretty nice as well. They've got Junior Colson at the second level. Like the defense gets stops. They don't get, they're not locked down. They're not shut down. Obviously, Purdue put up 22 or 23, something like that on them. But they get stops when they need them. They'll force a couple turnovers. And I think the most important thing, I love how Michigan gets after the QB. Nothing I've again, I've said it a lot on here. Nothing drives me more crazy in football than defenses who refuse to pressure the quarterback. It makes me sick. And they can do it with four guys. They can rush five and they can get after your QB. So when you have an Aiden O'Connell, as great as he is and as quick as he likes to get the ball out, at some point, you're Purdue, you're going to find yourself in a third and long. You're going to find yourself A, in obvious passing situations, or B, just as a play caller, you want to keep people off balance. You're going to call passes. And you know what? The pass rush is going to get there and you're going to lose a couple yards and it's going to be, it's part of the business. And that's hard to rebound from because Michigan's good defense is good enough to make you pay once they force you into one of those negative plays. It was a good game though. Um, Again, impressive stuff. Just these back-to-back seasons are fucking wild for Michigan. I mean, that shit's good for anybody. Alabama back-to-back years, they win the SEC twice. Their only loss being the Auburn or LSU, one of those type schools, and then whoever they lost to in the playoff the first year. Now Alabama, I guess their expectation is probably a little bit more geared towards winning the Natty every single year, just based on precedence. But like to do the the back to back run that Michigan's had is absolutely significant. It absolutely should be something that's talked about. And MSU fans, which I'll never understand. 
I don't want to come at anybody or burn bridges, but the MSU fans who like refuse to admit Michigan does anything well, who are making up this, that, the other thing about, oh, they're lucky. Like anybody doing that deflecting, it's like, dude, they're really good. It's okay. That's how sports work, right? And when you're part of great rivalries like Michigan State, Michigan, that's part of the fucking deal, dude. You're big-time places. Sometimes the other team, the one that you don't like, sometimes they're going to be better than you. And sometimes not only are they going to be better than you, they're going to be one of the best in the country. It's just the way it fucking goes. It's been reversed. MSU's been on top, whether it's football or basketball. And the same, it's the same thing. If you're a Michigan State fan listening to this going, no, that's not me, or what? What? No, I'm not. What would you mean? You're the same person who gets annoyed at the Michigan fan who's talking about luck or the weather or why this quarterback blew it or whatever the case is instead of just going, yeah, Michigan State's pretty nasty this year, and it, uh, it is what it is. And above all that, as great as State was, 2010 to 2015, specifically the 13 to 15 run, like as just powerhouse-esque as Michigan State was nationally during those years, we didn't go to the college football playoff back-to-back. Sure, 2013, we're one game away against Notre Dame from probably the Natty. Like, yes, things were different. There was no college football playoff, and if there was, we probably would have gone. Sure, things are a little different. But that run, we we I don't think we sewed together two straight seasons like this. It was a damn good three-season run. We won the Big Ten in 13, won the Big Ten in 15. Two out of the three, not back-to-back. And then we made the one college football playoff, and in 13 they didn't have the college football playoff. But at Notre Dame, the sketchy PI, maybe you go to the net. Like that 20 – it's like our insane level of excellence was two out of the three years, both on the ends. Michigan just did this shit twice in a row. Twice in a row. And it's like – Sure, 2020 wasn't good for Michigan. 2020 wasn't MSU's 2014. But, dude, why Michigan fan, Michigan State fan, fucking Alabama fan, it doesn't matter. Early looking at next year, and there's no reason to look at next year. They still got to play TCU and write the playoff, and maybe they'll win a natty this year, which if they win a natty this year, this is maybe the best two-year run between either program, certainly in our lifetimes, maybe ever, right? If they do end up winning the Natty, which, you know, remains to be seen. But looking ahead to next year, why shouldn't I believe Michigan's going to be really fucking good again? What, like, they, are they going to do the same shit again? Mel Tucker, Michigan State, like, we got to get a lot better very quickly. I don't want to fucking lose to these guys again. I can't stand that we did this year, as great as they are and as, you know, Magical as the season's been for them. I can't fucking stand that we did this year. I don't want to lose again next year. And the year we did, the year before when we beat them, they still won the Big Ten. I don't want to lose. I want to be the reason Michigan misses the Big Ten next year. And we got a long fucking way to go. The way they look right now, the run that they're on, the momentum the program has, I don't know why they wouldn't be at a similar level again next year. J.J. McCarthy's coming back. They're going to lose some guys to the draft. So does every good team everywhere. They're going to pick some good ones up in the portal. They've been recruiting well ever since Harbaugh got there. They've got young guys that are key contributors that are going to get older. 
there, I, I have a hard time seeing why Michigan only wins nine games next year. I have a hard time seeing that being the case. So if you're a Michigan fan, you got to feel good. We'll talk about the TCU game more going forward, but we got plenty of time. They don't play until New Year's Day, right? So, or New Year's Eve. So we got three weeks, a little over three, three and a half. We got time. We got time, right? And in the meantime, we have more pressing matters. I won't speak of Michigan State today. I might do that podcast tomorrow. The one I was talking about where we're just going to talk. We're just going to talk MSU football and where we're at. We'll see. Might do that tomorrow. But the Lions, there's a little bit of fucking energy around the Detroit Lions. There is. Winning games. We got a big one opening up as favorites against the 10 and 2 Vikings. Cheese line from Vegas. Cheese line. They want everybody to bet on the Vikings. And they open the lines up as favorites. Ford Field is going. We talked about it going into the Bills game. Ford Field is going to be the loudest it's ever been going into that Bills game. This Sunday against the Vikings, this genuinely might be the loudest that Ford Field has ever gotten. In the history of that stadium being open, this might be the loudest. It is going to be absolute mayhem inside that place and in downtown Detroit on Sunday. I know Minnesota's 10 and 2 and I know, oh, I know that we're only 5 and 7. I get it. I know we have an uphill battle if we want to make the playoffs. But something about this last 4, 5, 6 week stretch for the Lions, they're winning games, obviously hung tough. We talked about it against Buffalo. You go out and you beat a team, not only a playoff team, but one of the better, probably the second best team in the NFC behind the Eagles, a team you probably should have beat the first time around. Some questionable decision-making from the staff down the stretch, and that game was in Minneapolis. Had it for the taking, lost it. A team that these guys in the locker room, forget all the momentum. They know. They know that they can beat them. We're getting guys back from injury. All of a sudden, we're finding guys. Okuda's back. Kirby Joseph has come along since we played Minnesota last. Aiden Hutchinson has stepped into his own. They didn't They didn't have to see Josh Pascal. Mm-mm. They didn't know who James Houston was. We didn't know who James Houston was the first time these two teams played each other. Chase Lucas getting some snaps. Jerry Jacobs has been playing well. Malcolm Rodrigo is only more comfortable in there, right? We got Justin Jackson, who's been a nice little addition. We're getting receivers back. We got Shark. We got St. Brown. Fucking, we don't need Hawkinson. Jamison Williams has just been activated. Like, we're getting guys. Swift will be in the lineup. The offensive line, we're getting people back. We're going to be a little bit different of a team, I believe, than Minnesota saw last time. And we should have won that game in Minneapolis. We should have. Dan Campbell using the timeouts, kicking the field goals, the defense at the end. That's the other thing. This defense that Minnesota faced, that was that was version one. We're on like version eight right now with the way the Detroit Lions play defense. That's been the biggest revelation of the season. And I wish – this is the thing. I'm happy I don't know a fucking crazy amount about football or or I'm, I'm not super driven to watch a bunch of film and let me figure out. What exactly is Aaron Glenn doing differently that's got this defense playing the way that it is? I don't know. It's just, I don't need to know all that. I can watch the game and I can see if the defense works. I can see if the defense doesn't. 
I can see if a guy gets toasted. I can see if it's just like a lack of motivation. I can see if it's guys being confused and not knowing who the fuck they're supposed to cover. Michigan State's defense all fucking season long until like week eight. Um, I have a general idea, but I don't know the exact X's and O's. So I'm kind of curious as far as a storyline within this season, this defense was firing Aubrey Pleasants. That was the key. That's what we needed. That was it. I, I, that seems a little bit crazy, right? The defensive backs coach. And when he left, I, I think it was Jeff Okuda had good things to say about him. Really? Or maybe that little fire against Aaron Glenn's or uh, under Aaron Glenn's ass to be a little bit more aggressive to realize, oh shit, this isn't just a fucking picnic. We got to get stops. We got to get their offense off the field or I'm going to be living not in Detroit much longer. Is that it? Is Dan Campbell playing a part? I'm very curious as to what happened, what has happened with this defense because it was the worst in the NFL. First six weeks of the year, first seven weeks of the year, we had the worst defense in the National Football League. Then we played Green Bay. And I know they've struggled, but for some reason, whatever the case may be, the defense turned it on and they have not looked back since. And wouldn't you know it, since they've turned it on, we've won four of five football games. We're maybe the hottest team. We're one of the hottest teams in the National Football League. And you're going to come to our place, a notoriously loud place. We've got all the momentum in the world. Minnesota, they know. Look, they won the game. They fucking know they should have lost that game. And. This is a healthier, more rejuvenated Lions team. You didn't have to worry about Jamison Williams before. All of a sudden, this time, is it going to be louder? We probably got more offensive linemen. The defensive line is bolstered with guys like Houston and Pascal. Oh, and by the way, offensively, we added the fastest one of person in the fucking league. So just a heads up. He might be running straight, and by the time you realize it, he's going to be 10 yards behind you and walking into the end zone. So good luck, Minnesota. Oh, and we found a kicker. I don't know. I don't want to get cocky. I don't want to get cocky. I know that last minute or so was pretty fucking cocky. That sounded like, hey, Minnesota, we're about to kick your ass. Like, I feel like we're going to kick their ass. It was pretty fucking cocky. I know. But how do you not feel good about us? How do you not feel good about this team right now? You fucking have to. You absolutely have to, dude. I don't even care. That's the craziest part of how messed up we are as Lions fans, how crazy the NFL is, how much I think we want to believe in Dan Campbell, is we're five and seven. We've won four out of the last five, and there is a palpable buzz surrounding this game against Minnesota Sunday. We're five and seven. Five and seven, and people are fucking jacked for us to host the NFC North division leader, the 10 and 2 Minnesota Vikings, who have already beaten us once. We are fucking stoked to see those guys walk in the Ford Field, and we're five and seven. I don't know what exactly that is a result of, like uh, just our madness, our, our insatiable desire for the Lions to just do anything good, to, to fucking just make a little positive progress. I don't know if it's we, Dan Campbell's our fucking guy. He's one of us. 
He's a good dude. Salt of the earth. He's going to beat you by being physical and just grinding it out. We want this guy to succeed. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's the Patricia years were just so dark that four out of the last five and being five and seven means that feels like our playoffs. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the chemical reaction occurring in my brain is, but dude, this, this fucking Vikings game is going to be big. And (laughs) here's the crux of it. If you were to compare it to one, you'd compare it to how he felt going into Buffalo. I, I did a segment on the podcast that week. That sounded a lot like this. It's the loudest Ford Fields is going to be in however many years. Um, it is a massive fucking game. That game wasn't to get us to 500 either. You knew Ford Field was going to be popping. You could feel the buzz around the Bills on Thanksgiving Day. It'll be four in a fucking row win the goddamn game, and all of a sudden we're cooking with gas to get into the playoffs. They're the best team left on our schedule. Beat those fucking guys. Like, you could feel it. We wanted Buffalo. And it was the same shit, Dan Campbell. We're starting to get moving. Jared Goff's playing well. The defense is coming alive. We're running the ball. Our offensive line plays the way and allows us to do what we needed to happen this season. The reason anybody thought the Lions would be halfway decent coming into this year was because of that offensive line and they're rounding into form. We've got playmakers on the outside. We can get rid of TJ Hawkinson and we still got dogs out wide. DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, and Justin Jackson are more than formidable. 3D. We're getting after the QB, dude. Aiden Hutchinson is a baller. The Aquara brothers, when they play, have been good. Ali McNeil is a problem. Zach Pascal comes back. James Houston, a revelation. Malcolm Rodriguez, Alex Anzalone, they're holding their own in the second level. And Jeff Okuda has been great. Jerry Jacobs, Kirby Jones. Like, Deshaun Elliott forcing the fumble against the Jags. It's like everything's going our way. That's what it feels like. And then that Buffalo game happened. Um, I understand that that's the way it went. That we had these similar feelings as I feel about Minnesota. I mean, fucking me describing it to you or not, the way I feel inside the the fire, the energy in my stomach right now as I talk to, to you about this is the exact same feeling I had Wednesday night before that Buffalo game. It's the exact same shit. And I'm aware, dude. I'm aware. I said it after we lost – The reason it was so sad wasn't because we lost or our record's worse or maybe we won't make the playoffs or whatever. That game was so sad because it felt like it was going to be our time. It felt like the Lions were about to break through on national television and not just break through this season and, fuck, maybe that's the win that projects us or propels us to getting into the playoffs. Maybe that's the one we needed. Not that. Just a statement landmark win. Dan Campbell's here. It's going to, like, this is going to fucking work. This is going to fucking work. On Thanksgiving, a day where we notoriously are the butt of jokes. It would have been four in a row. We are looking at maybe a playoff appearance this year. The Rams are still getting us a top five pick. Like, it felt like the moment that everything comes together. And it didn't work out. So I don't want to get too ahead of myself and start talking about these fantasies and dreams about us beating Minnesota 
and then going on to maybe only lose one more game and you never know, sneak into the playoffs or at the very least end this season on the highest fucking note the Lions will have been on since 2011, dude. I know the risk in getting excited. I remember Thanksgiving. It was like two weeks ago. I just feel again. I feel like today is the day. Or not today. I should. Sunday is the day. This weekend. I don't know if it's the moment, but it's a moment where something happens for the Lions. On one of my videos, I called it a validating win. This feels like a win where they get it Sunday in front of a packed Ford field. It's loud as fuck. People are smiling. People are hugging. There is an energy around the team in person in the fucking building on a Sunday that we haven't felt in a really long time. Dan Campbell's the man waving up, smiling. He's the one who got it done. Brad Holmes gave him the fucking pieces. I believe that Sunday will be a day where things start to happen for the Lions, where we look back at some point in the future and we go, wow, I went against Minnesota. That what was it week 13, week 14, that went against Minnesota. That's the day where we knew something good, something, ooh, my bad. That's the day we knew something good was going to happen here. That's how I feel. I know what happened the last time I felt this way. I just can't help it. You can't look at Twitter. You can't talk to friends. You can't listen to the way people talk about the Lions, pundits, writers, whoever. You can't do all of that. You can't watch them. You can't feel those games. And look at me honestly and say, you're not buying into this team against the Vikings Sunday. You don't feel different about what's going to happen Sunday. You don't feel like something special is in the air surrounding these guys. You can't tell me that right now on Wednesday, December 7th, you can't tell me you don't feel that. You just can't. Quick break. We'll come back, and I want to talk about the Detroit Red Wings, another team to get excited about. Yeah, I'm excited. I am a hit the, you know how we do the panic button in sports? I'm hitting the panic button. I'd like to hit the opposite of the panic button. I'd like to hit the let's hang out a little longer. I kind of like where this is going button. Can we do that? Can I hit the this is fun button? I enjoy what's going on button. It doesn't need to be every seven or eight years for stuff like this to happen. Button. Can I smash that thing? Can I fucking blast it into a million pieces? I'll rewire it. I'll put it back together. I got enough super glue for a button. It doesn't matter. Can I just destroy the button one time? My God, I love that button. I fucking, I love the way it sounds. I love how it feels when I'm hitting it. The Detroit Red Wings, I'm having a good time. Button. I hit it. What a win last night at Tampa Bay. You're up 2-0. It's 1-0. It's 0-0. Then it's 1-0 for like most of the second period. Then in the third, early on, Bergeron with a fucking filthy redirection makes it 2-0. And for, I don't know what it was, 14, 15 minutes, the entire rest of the third period, you are under duress from the one of most potent offenses, most potent rosters in the National Hockey League. Not too long ago, one back-to-back Stanley Cups. The Tampa Bay Lightning. And oh, by the way, yeah, they're a divisional rival. And you guys are fucking duking it out right now. 
for a playoff spot. You absolutely are. So this is a big one. Red Wings feeling pretty good about themselves. Young guys been playing pretty well. We're better than we've been in years. We're stacking points. Even when we lose, we're still squeaking out some OTLs here and there. And it felt like that was a game. That was a game that the Tampa Bay Lightning last year, two years ago, three years ago, ever since this rebuild started, all of the meetings between the Detroit Red Wings and the Tampa Bay Lightning from 2014, 2015, up until Tuesday, December 6th, 6th, 2022, every single meeting, the Lightning win that game. That third period's going on. We are getting shelled. Vili Huso's the only reason it's 2-0 as long as it is. That game for the last eight years is one the Red Wings managed to lose. And it got close. It got close again tonight. Let's not make it seem like the Red Wings were out of there and it was 7-0, no problem. It got fucking close. I think Stamkos netted the first for Tampa with like four minutes left, five minutes left. Adam Ernie hits a ridiculous 360 no-scope. 3-1. Now you think, all right, there's three minutes left. It's 3-1. They're going to pull the contendee again, but it's probably over this time, right? Point in front makes a ridiculous skate to stick play, makes it 3-2, and here we go again. And we got a minute left. It's 3-2. Tampa surging. They've been cooking us the entire period since Bergeron scored. It has been all Tampa the entire time, like peppering us. Odd man rushes. We can barely get the puck out past center ice, let alone generate any offense in their zone. It has that feeling of a game where one team is just, the legs are gone. One team is out of gas and just doesn't have it. And you can tell that they parked the bus. They did park the bus a long time ago. They parked the bus probably a little too early. It felt like in the home arena, as loud as Red Wings fans on the road were, it felt like Tampa was going to fucking figure it out. It felt like they were going to make that happen. And I hate to say it. I don't want that to be the truth. I was watching that game. Those five minutes left after Stamkos made it 2-1. Immediately, it was like, oh, shit. This isn't good. And Adam Ernie, that goal Adam Ernie scored, thank fucking God he did. That was the most ridiculous 3 six. How the hell did that go in? How the hell did Adam Ernie's full court shot go in? Because th- full court, thank God it did. Because if it didn't, that comes back for icing. Tampa Bay wins that faceoff. <laughs> I hate to say it. I don't want to be a pessimist. I think that puck might end up behind Billy Huso. I do. It felt like that's the way it was going. But this Red Wings team, I don't know how different they are. And I don't want to blow this out of proportion either and say, we won this game in Tampa. We're going to the fucking playoffs. Print the T-shirts. Buy your tickets. We'll see you in April. I don't want to go that far. But this did feel like a little bit different of a win. And maybe that difference doesn't mean this team ends up making the playoffs. Although. 25 games in, good little way. Almost a third of the way through the season right now, we are in the third spot in the Atlantic, and we would be making the playoffs if they started today. Although that is the case, knock on wood here. Knock on wood. I think we've been pretty healthy, right? The only guy, Tyler Bertuzzi, he's been out essentially the entire year. Outside of Bertuzzi, Verona stepped away early on. Outside of those two guys, and I think Fabry's still hurt, right? Um, I actually don't even know what Fabry's deal is. I haven't heard of him. I haven't heard from him in a fucking minute. We have been pretty healthy. Our key guys are staying healthy. Lucas Raymond, Mo Sider, Philip Kronick has been on a fucking tear. Dylan Larkin, our goaltenders have been healthy. I do think as well, 
up until this road trip. We kind of talked about it recently. The schedule has been pretty favorable, I think, to the Red Wings. Um, we haven't necessarily gone through the meet yet, right? It kind of started. We had the Leafs and then the Sabres, and then we had Vegas who smashed us. We beat Columbus the other night, and then the Lightning, and now we got the Panthers again on Thursday. That's no slouch, right? They're one of the better teams in the National Hockey League, another divisional opponent. And then we got the Stars, same deal. And then we got the Hurricanes. And then we got – like, we've got some good teams coming up. We've got teams where you're going to have to put forward a pretty fucking good effort to beat coming up, and they're going to have to keep doing this. It's not like, all right, fellas, take the foot off the gas, get yourself a nap, maybe a banana, and fucking we'll cruise into the playoffs. No, 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 no. But that game, to hold on the way they did against Tampa tonight, that just proved, A, that, you know, they're more formidable under duress like that. They're more capable of holding a lead, which is something we've struggled with. Even those last few years when we were making the playoffs in 13 and 14, it still felt like the Red Wings struggled with keeping a lead. And fuck, is that a demoralizing way to lose in hockey? But this win against Tampa shows us we're, hey, hey, we're a little bit better. We can hold the lead. The first period, the Red Wings were better, right? They It was more of an even even game, even in the second period. But we also showed we cannot play our best hockey. We can get skated around a little bit, right? Maybe at least that night we're the inferior team. And we can still, we've still got enough where we can still squeak one out. Michael Rasmussen can get one chance on a semi-breakaway and he can bury it. And Jonathan Bergeron can just get a stick to one. Get a stick to a shot from the point and fucking top chitty, top chitty it. Top Chetty, top Titty. I don't know what I wanted to say. And then Billy Huso could do the rest. I do still think the blue line could use some work. And it has improved. But now it's like the expectation. The expectation is changing. It's inevitable in sports, right? You see the Red Wings play well. We beat Tampa like we did tonight. We're in a playoff spot. Now I understand hockey. You're going to lose. It's just, you know, it's similar to baseball, basketball. You lose a fair amount of games if you're not the best of the best. But now it's like I, I'm expecting them to win every night. I'm expecting the defense to be clean every night. I'm expecting the goaltending to be good. I'm expecting the forwards to generate offense, get some chances, get some chances, and score goals every night. Like the Red Wings, it, it, I don't want to jump the gun because again, this team is going to lose at some point this season. Whether they make the playoffs and it happens then, this team will not be winning the Stanley Cup this year. I hate to say it. I, I don't want to spoil anyone's dreams. But it is early. This is the earliest of the early. If things all went according to plan, this year would be the first year that this core of guys, the Detroit Red Wings under the tutelage of Steve Eiserman, will have made the playoffs. Teams, cores, who make the playoffs the first time for that crop of players in that era, they're not going to go win the Stanley Cup. First off, we're too young. We obviously don't have any of the experience. And above all else, we've seen it a couple times already this year. We saw it against Toronto. We still need more talent. As as much as we've improved, and now we've got some young guys, we've got stars or potential stars blossoming, guys like Jonathan Bergeron making plays, winning us hockey games. Dylan Larkin, we know, is a horse. Lucas Raymond, Mo Sider, we know what we have. Elmer Soderblom, he's coming back from injury. Philip Pronick. We know we have some talented young guys. We still need more. We still need the likes of Simon Edmondson. We still need Marco Casper to get up here. We still might need Sebastian Cosa to come along. William Wallander. 
uh, Theodore Niederbach, Albert Johansson. Like, we still may need to go get a free agent. The talent level, we're much better. And the moves that Steve made this offseason, both through trades, calling guys up that were already in the system and free agent signings, have absolutely been, you know, the catalyst behind the improvement we've seen in the Red Wings. We still need more. It still does need to get better. This is just the first step. This is the first step. And you know what? This is a good first step. And we should enjoy this first step. They're still going to play some games like they did against Vegas, like they did against Toronto, where they lose 4-1 and it's not very competitive and the game just kind of sucks. And you go, ah, we play these big-time teams. We play these real good teams. And fucking still going to have disappointing ones like the Sabres game where you're better than these guys. You should beat these guys if we are who you think – if we, if you are who we think you are, you should handle these guys, and they'll lose those games. Yeah, but now they sneak out a point. Now you know what we lost to a team we probably shouldn't have, but hey, at least we got a point out of it. Could be worse. Now they go to Amelie Arena and face the two-time Stanley Cup champions, and they win that game. They get up 2-0, and they get barraged for 15 straight minutes in that third period to close the game, and they somehow they put it in the empty net twice. Billy Huso does what he has to. Guys are blocking shots, hustling, and we somehow, we get out of there, we get two. We get two, they get zero. That's a step forward. That's a step forward for this core. That's like, that is like a step. Doing this, maybe not consistently, like it's tough to go beat Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay consistently. That is a tall order. It's tough to beat any of these teams at the top of the league in their buildings consistently. But to hold on to two nothing leads against those teams consistently, that's a step. To go into their buildings and win those games sometimes, that's a step. Right? To steal that one. To be to be like sneaky good enough where you can steal hockey games from teams that hey, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're not worried about making the playoffs. They're not talking about this core's first steps. The Tampa Bay Lightning are set on winning a Stanley Cup. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they're probably quite pissed off that they're fourth in the Atlantic right now. If you had asked them before the season who's going to win the Atlantic, they'd probably say, I don't know, but we'll be up there. Who's going to make the playoffs out of the Atlantic? Not sure. We'll be in the top three, though. That's what everybody in Tampa would have said. So, yeah, it's going to be tough to go beat them there consistently. But can you beat them there? Can we do it here and there? Can we do it sometimes? And when you're up 2-0 in the third period and the percentages and the odds are all in your favor to actually beat them there, can you do it? Do you have the gusto to stand in with them for all 60 minutes and fend them off and win a hockey game on the road against a really good team? Do you have it? Red Wings did. It's a beautiful fucking sight, dude. I, the, I've said it a lot on here. As much as I love Michigan State, as much as I love the Lions, as much as I love both college football and college basketball, Fucking Christ. I love the Detroit Red Wings, dude. It, when the Red Wings are winning and they're beating good teams and they're, again, similar to the Lions. These two teams right now, I mean, the Pistons, God bless them. They beat Miami. But, you know, God bless them. Nobody cares. They're going to be terrible again. They are terrible. Again, what am I saying they're going to be? They are terrible again. The Detroit Lions and the Detroit Red Wings right now. There is a buzz around both. We're a little farther along in the football season. And football has that thing where they play fewer times, so every game feels like more. And, you know, football, 
I, I want to say football is like the toughest league to make the playoffs. Like it's fucking tough to win in football, but the buzz around these two teams in Detroit right now, you can feel it in the air. The Red Wings, much like not to the same level, because again, the Red Wings, the stakes don't feel as high and they aren't as high at this point, but winning a game like they did Tuesday against Tampa and they beat Columbus pretty soundly on the road. Johnny Hammond, Cheese, Merzlikens, like Columbus is, they're not nobodies, right? They've got a couple players to win in Columbus on the road the night before. And I know Columbus is terrible this year. Oh, wow. Columbus is fucking horrible. Never mind. I guess, uh, yeah, win that fucking game. Columbus is terrible. But still, road win followed up with another road win against Tampa. Feels good. And we've got guys. We've got guys. Like that tip by Bergeron today. We've got guys that can do that. It's not going to do it every game. It's a ridiculous goal that he – like that redirection, I think it was on his backhand, and it just goes straight to the top corner. Like we got a guy, he's what, 21 years old, whatever Bergeron is. We got a guy on the team that can do that. And honestly, forget just that. Ever since Bergeron got called up and started playing consistently with the bird injury, he's been pretty fucking good. He's not lighting the league on fire. He's not a point-of-game guy. He's been pretty fucking good, though. He's involved in goals. He's stacking up some points. He makes plays. Shit happens when he's around the puck. It's another encouraging sign. Like, we've got so eh, – we shouldn't be worried about how far is this team going to go, but we naturally will as humans and sports fans. Already, like, if this just keeps up, guys playing well, young dudes kind of announcing themselves and taking bigger roles and showing progress throughout the season – and then we could win enough games, beat enough good teams to make the playoffs. Yeah, we'll probably lose in the first round, but I would be thrilled with that. Get these guys a playoff series too. Get them a little experience. Get these 20-year-olds, these 21, these 22-year-olds that are not only the future of this hockey team, but are the current core, the current guys we rely on. Let's get them a playoff series. Why not? Who gives a fuck if we lose in five? Let's get him a playoff series. Let him experience what that shit feels like. What playing a playoff game in Detroit, Michigan feels like in hockey town. Let him know. Let Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider and fucking Dylan Larkin. Let Dylan Larkin know what that feels like. Let's cultivate a little history, a little culture at Little Caesars Arena. Let's get this thing back on track because everybody in the city of Detroit and the state of Michigan wants it. Everybody, the NHL, hockey is better when the Detroit Red Wings are competing at a high level, plain and simple. And when you're a Detroit Red Wings fan, the sentiment, the sentiment couldn't be more true. Let's get this thing back on track. Steve Eiserman, the parts look like they're there. And we've got more on the way. We've got plenty more on the way. And there will be guys that aren't in the system right now that will play significant parts of this team moving forward. There is still improvements to be made. And we're already starting to reach a not a plateau, but a level where it's gotten more exciting. The stakes feel a little bit higher. We're not talking about playoff wins. We're not talking about winning series or anything. We're not talking about winning games in March, but winning a game like they did Tuesday on the road against Tampa Bay. Yeah. I'll get excited about that. All right, everyone. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate you listening. Spread the word. Follow on Twitter at the Detroiter on Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, TikTok, Spotify. Oh, you're listening. You know how to find the podcast, but follow along um, the secondstring.com, your Christmas shopping. I, you know, I got you. 
you know, I got you. The Detroit great design is on sale. I'll probably take that down Sunday, maybe, maybe sooner. Phillies, we got that design on sale. And I'm going to be announcing this week, we're going to do a, something a little special for the Black Friday stuff for the second string. Instead of doing deals for like a day, two days, leading up to Christmas, different two days, I'm going to bring back all the designs that we've taken off the site throughout this year. So, for instance, the Detroit Teal design. Let's I'll put that back on the site for the 9th and the 10th. And then the 11th and 12th, we'll put the hockey design up. And then the 13th and the 14th, the Lions future design up. And for the 15th and for the 16th, the Spartan Dogs shirt. And then for the 17th and for the 18th, whatever it is, right? So something like that. For a couple days leading up until Christmas, you'll be able to get that design you missed out on. We've got the Michigan Big Ten back-to-back champions design in the works as we speak. So if you're a Michigan fan, keep on the lookout for that. And going into 2023, we're just creating more. There's going to be more streetwear more branded stuff, not just sports related. And we are going to turn up the level, hopefully expand a little bit outside of just Michigan and Detroit for some of the sports stuff too. So follow that too. Follow at the period, second period string on Instagram, follow along again, like I said, on Twitter and everything like that. It's a special time to be here. Appreciate you being here. Have a wonderful rest of the week. I'll either be back on Thursday or Friday for sure. Going to do at least one more pod this week, maybe two. We'll see how I'm feeling. And until then, have fun.